0: Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life, so we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we wanna encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video or online at fellowshipgj.com Or, if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service.
1: Well, church, good morning. Let's stand to our feet this morning. We're so glad that you're here to worship with us. It's been a special day. We had some really sweet baptisms take place over in 4640. And you guys, that is the coolest thing when people come to a place in their relationship where they just want to make a public declaration. So we're really excited for those families. And now here we are, and we are here purely to worship our Heavenly Father. Amen. And I want to remind you that God is in the middle of whatever you're in. So grab hold tight of him because he's got you in the palm of his hand this morning. Remember that as we worship him today. Come on.
2: Waiting for change to ever say
3: through for us lord right beside us we, we praise you we thank you that you love us so much that you would want to come through for us that you'd want to do life with us lord and the miracles that you've done and the storms that you have brought us through lord it's just it's unmeasurable the things you've protected us from that we didn't even know we needed protection from you did miracles on our behalf that we won't even know until we get to heaven praise you for those. We praise you for what we've seen. We praise you for what we haven't seen. That you are constantly working on our behalf. We praise you, God, for that. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to minister to our hearts. I pray that you'd soften our hearts this morning, that we would just learn and receive what you would want us to, God, but Lord, that you would also receive from us what you would want. It's just an obedient heart, a heart of praise, and, and, and I hope you felt that from us this morning. We love you, God, we praise you for how awesome you are in our lives in Jesus' name. Let's give him another praise offering. He so deserves it. And as you guys are making your way back to your seats, if you will show yourselves friendly before you're seated, Thank you so much for choosing Fellowship Church. If you're a guest or a visitor today, we'd love to have a record of you being here. If you're watching online, thank you so much for being a part of our services. And we really believe that you are a part of this family, even though you may be watching remotely from somewhere, maybe you're on vacation, maybe you're just at home this morning, couldn't make it in. But thank you so much. And we look forward to whenever we'll be able to see you again in person. But if you're a guest online or if you're a guest here in the auditorium, we'd love to have a record of you being here. Super easy to get more information here at Fellowship Church. All you got to do is text the word fellowship to 94,000. When you do that, you'll be given a link that will bring you over to uh, some more information and also help you get registered for a guest registration that we'll be having in the next couple of weeks. But thank you so much for choosing Fellowship Church uh, as your church home. God is doing some really, really good stuff. You know, a lot of times there's there's a summer break. You know, some people get summer breaks. Well, God doesn't take a break in the summer. We just baptize 55 people in between services. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. So God is doing fresh stuff uh, within our ministry, and we're so, so excited about that. Now, we're going to continue to worship with the giving of tithes and offerings. I hope you've come prepared to give back. There's all kinds of ways you can give here at Fellowship. Of course, we have offering boxes in the lobby. If you've brought your offering, you can always send those in, but we also have ways to give, whether that's on your church center app or text tithing uh, or also through our website. So please take advantage of that. And as you get ready to give, let me pray a prayer, a blessing over you. Lord, we love you. We recognize every good thing in our life has come from you. And I pray in Jesus' name right now that you would put special blessing and favor on our finances. Lord, thank you that our, uh, your economy is not based on the world's economy. Lord, you created the universe, so there's no limits for you. And I pray, Lord, that as we give to you, Lord, that you would just unlock those blessings and and, uh, 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 gifts, Lord, that you promise in your word in our lives. Help us to always stay faithful. And we do this now in in, in a form of worship, showing you worth in our life as we stay faithful, Lord, in giving of our tithes and our offerings to you. So we love you. We praise you, God, for how awesome you are. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you give. We've got a lot of cool stuff happening here at Fellowship. First of all, on Tuesday night this week, we have a Dave Barton that is gonna be coming and using our facilities. Uh, he is a uh, Christian Republican uh, that goes around and speaks about the fact, uh, on different subjects, just as far as Christianity and, and the Constitution and how, as Christians, what we have is a responsibility to make sure uh, that we know the things that are going on in government and with laws and so that we can make sure that uh, we give that conservative voice a voice and we don't just sit back so love for you to be a part of that if you'd like to 6:30 on tuesday night it will be in our two rivers room in our east building there's all kinds of things happening here at fellowship and here's a few
0: Hey, we would super appreciate if you guys could do us a huge favor. If you could go on the Church Center app and make sure your name and birthday is correct. This will help us a ton and help you a ton. This will keep you up to date. Any texts that we want to send out, if you want to sign up for classes, if you want to register your kids for events, any of that, we have to have the correct birth date. Sometimes the parents' birthdays are the kids' birth So if you guys could help us out, make sure this information is correct, you can either contact us on the Church and we can update that for you, or you can stop by the information counter and we can do it for you. Thank you so much for your help in this. July 10th, we are doing a church-wide worship night. Invite all your family, invite all your friends. You guys, this is going to be such a special night to encounter the Lord, to worship together. There is something so special and so unique about corporate worship. So please come join us, mark it on your calendar. Make sure you do not miss this incredible time to connect with the Lord through worship. Super Kids Conference is coming up July 22nd through the 24th. This is a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We say it all the time, but please do not miss out on this incredible event. It's only $75, it's for kids going into second grade through sixth grade, and it is going to be a life-changing event. It is so important that your kid does not miss out on a time to encounter Jesus, to learn more about Him, to connect with mentors and pastors here at Fellowship Church. This will change their life. Please sign up today. Hurry, the spots are going quickly. Pastor JL has another incredible message for us today. I hope you guys enjoy today's service.
4: We took nearly 250 young people to camp, and it was amazing. Without the army of volunteers, 58 volunteers to be exact, there would have been no hope of pulling off a camp of this caliber. But thank you to all of you who came. What happened was um, we had opportunities for games and competitions and all kinds of crazy challenges, high ropes, low ropes, lots of fun. Also kids built relationships with friends and Christian mentors to kind of help guide them through their life. And once again, for the 24th consecutive of year, as a church family, we did not turn away a single kid based on their family's inability to pay. And so thank you to that, uh, to you guys, for your willingness... Whenever you guys hear we're going to camp, people come to me and like, Pastor Jill, is anyone being left out? And you guys just keep bringing the scholarship money until every last kid gets to go. And I think that's so, so important. So camp is the most fun we know how to pack into four days in terms of just crazy fun. But also it's really deep and really spiritual. We have five huge church services, incredible worship. The presence of God during that worship is so sweet and precious. Kids are getting healing, emotional healing. We've saved you guys thousands of dollars in counseling just in case you you sent your young person. It is some life-changing stuff that takes place at camp and even the adults. Every time we leave camp as adults, we're saying, wow, I am a different person for what happened at camp. Now, one thing that we also get to do with our kids is a high ropes course. And high ropes courses, you put on belay belts and helmets, and you get to go up and do all these different physical challenges that are just kinda out there. And one element we have is called the leap of faith. And what it is, is the kids climb a 25-foot telephone pole, and when they get to the top of that telephone pole, somehow they have to pull their bodies from climbing into kneeling on the top of that pole and eventually standing on the top of that pole. And then the challenge is, that out in front of them about six feet in the six feet in front of them but 25 feet in the air is a little swing and they have to somehow get up the courage to leap out and try to grab hold of that swing and just Hold on, and every once in a while, a kid will actually make the grab and be able to hold on to that swing out there, at 25 feet. There, it's exhilarating, it's crazy, it's a whole lot of fun, and it reminds me a lot of our life as Christians. Because the truth is, we all have to climb up different obstacles, we all have to balance different things in life, and then we have to get up the guts to leap up and leap forward and try to grab hold of the promises that God has for us. And friends, that's exactly. Exactly what we've been doing in this series this last couple of weeks. And we've been having so much fun, we decided we're going to extend it an extra week. And Pastor Tim is going to come next Sunday and he's going to preach on the promises of God. And his message is entitled, It'll Be Fine. And so it's going to be so much fun, so hang on for that. But the last three weeks, we've been taking a look at promises that God made us. Last week, we looked and made very personal this truth that God said, I will fight for you. We also looked at the promise that God said, I will listen to your prayers. And thirdly, we looked at God saying, I will have a plan for your life. And this morning, we're going to dig into three separate promises, and we're going to make these promises personal as well, because God makes over 3,000 promises in the Bible, and they are all for his children as sons and daughters of God. The first promise today that God makes to us is, I will lead you. I will lead you. Psalm 32 says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. God longs to advise us. He longs to guide us and instruct us and give us direction. But many times we fall into a trap of acting like teenagers. Now teenagers, you know, you know I love you and I care about you deeply, but If you don't know this, teenagers have a reputation for not necessarily being open to the advice of their parents. I know that's probably shocking information, but after 24 years of student ministry, that is my conclusion, that sometimes teenagers are a little resistant if it's mom or dad's idea. Like for example, if a friend gives a piece of advice, now that's worth listening to. If a cute guy gives a piece of advice, that is for sure true. If some TikToker influencer says it, it's pure genius, it's absolute genius. But if mom said it, it's the dumbest thing they've ever heard. And this is just a pattern that I've seen over and over. And the reason for it is teenagers are in that phase of life where God's preparing them to go, to leave the nest and to go out. And so they want to be independent. They want to have their own opinions and ideas. and, And some of that angst is a little bit God designed, but they should listen to their parents' advice, but they rarely, rarely do, right? So I have to ask myself this question. Sometimes, am I God's angsty teenager? Like, God says He's going to lead me. He's going to guide me. He's going to give me advice. But am I sometimes just resistant to God's advice just because it's His advice? Like, just because it says it in the Bible, then I'm just like, oh, that's got to be old. That's got to be outdated. That can't be relevant to me. Sometimes we reject God's guidance. We reject God's leading in our lives because we're acting like an angsty teenager who's just struggling to receive or accept from the source. And so we have to challenge ourselves to say, wait a second. I'm not going to ignore God's advice. I'm not going to ignore is guidance or instruction, Instead I'm going to pursue it. Psalm 328, this time in the NIV translation, it says, "I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. I love this translation because that's exactly not how I thought God was when I was growing up. I thought God was watching me all right, but I was really sure he was watching me with suspicion. Like he was looking at me out of the corner of his eye, cutting his eyes to me, waiting to bust me doing something super wrong. Like he was just wanting to catch me red-handed so he could judge and be harsh. But the scriptures are very clear here in Psalm 32, but elsewhere, that's not the kind of God he is. That he doesn't just come in, swoop in to judge, to be suspicious, to be angry. But this verse says His loving eye is upon us. His loving eye is on us as He guides us. That He is a loving God. He has a gleam of admiration in His eye for us. Another spot in Psalms says that we're the apple of His eye. He longs for us to succeed and He watches over us to lead us and guide us to the path that actually ultimately will be best for us. Psalm, or Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, a really familiar passage in Scripture says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Now this verse is what theologians would call a conditional promise. It's a promise that God will make your path straight if you do something else. So we have to meet the conditions to receive the promise. So the promise is God's gonna make our path straight. The conditions is we have to trust in the Lord with all our heart. That speaks to our emotions. We have a responsibility to get our emotions in line with God's plan. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not upon your own understanding. This speaks to our minds. We have a responsibility if we wanna cash in on this promise to to get our mind and our thinking in line with what God's saying. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. That's talking about our mouth. And so the things coming out of our mouth need to be acknowledging God, not acknowledging our problems, not acknowledging the difficulty, not acknowledging how hard it's gonna be through complaining, but acknowledging God. And if we'll get our heart, our mind, and our mouth all moving in the right direction, then the Bible says that God will cause our paths to be straight. It's not that the path is already straight, but he'll cause it to be straight as a result of our getting our head, our heart, and our mouth all moving in the right direction. The truth is our brains are never going to fully understand our faith. Our brains cannot possibly understand God's way of thinking or planning. And insisting on full intellectual clarity before walking out with with what God has for us, well, that's never going to happen, and it'll always trip us up. There's a man in our church family. he was 42 years old, a geologist working in the hazardous waste and radioactive waste industry and he and his wife had two young boys and he had a great job as um, benefits and paid vacation and sick time and all of that, a salary, something he could count on. But the problem was he was away from home over half the time. And so his four-year-old and six-year-old sons were kind of growing up half without their dad and all the work was being shouldered by his wife. And the man just began to resent being away from his family so much, like, why, why, miss out on everything that really matters so he began to pray and he's like God is it possible that you would have a different profession for me a different job now geology that isn't exactly a diverse career field right that degree doesn't just open up all different sp- doors within our own community but he just prayed and he sought God and God didn't answer him with a booming voice and lead him along the path it was ambiguous it was confusing a little bit but he is he pressed into God and he listened he listened to the peace of God speaking through the situation speaking into his heart and he had a leading and he and his wife were both praying and one day randomly their financial advisor asked the man would you be willing to consider working for our firm for a geologist so he thought this is weird but I'm going to pray so he and his wife continued to pray ask God to guide them asking God for wisdom and and did a little research on the firm and decided all right gonna go from a job with salary to 100% commission, paid benefits to hope it works out. Sounds like God, right? (laughs) Lean not on our own understanding. So the man decides, he and his wife, we're gonna make this leap, we're gonna start our own business. And so the man begins to study, he has to study for two full months to pass the test, the series seven test that's required to sell financial securities here in our country. And so he goes through this testing process and he thinks this is going to be the hardest part of the job transition but it was not. He passed that test and what became the hardest part was building the business and trusting God and being confident when there was no real reason to be confident in the natural. And one particular month he's in the business now, he's selling but his commissions are low and finances are tight and he's looking at his wife and she's looking at him and they're trying to figure out how they're gonna provide for their kids and and kinda make this work and did God lead them this way or did they just think God led them this way? And it, was that God or what, was it like the pizza he ate late at night and like now he's on this path and now what's he going to do and how are they going to provide for their kids? But day by day, little by little, God empowered them. And each, the man and his wife woke up in the morning, each week, each day and prayed and saw God. And so one time they were reading their Bible and came across the passage in Joshua where God is talking to Joshua and he says, be strong and courageous. And then another verse later, be very strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Three separate times, just like that, a row in a row in scripture. And the man read that and thought, God's talking to me. He's telling me to be strong. He's telling me to be courageous. He's telling me to just stay the course. And so the man tells me, he's like, I wish I could tell the church family it was easy, starting my own business. It was easy to trust God. But really, I was afraid a lot of the time. But day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, Chuck and his wife built this business from the ground up. And in the end now, their business is successful, making plenty of money for their family and they're able to even just be a part of ministry as a result of the success of this ministry. And they have seen God's promise come through for them. God said, I will guide you. And so Chuck Poland and his wife Lisa's backstage, but if you'd stand to say, I believe in the promise that God said, I will lead you. I will lead you, God said. Number two, he said, I will give you peace. Jesus is speaking in John 14 and he said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. The peace of the world is circumstantial peace. If the circumstances are good, then I'm at peace. The peace the world gives is if everything's smooth and calm and clear, then I can be calm and clear. But if the world is raging and the storm is brewing, then I have no opportunity for peace. That's the peace the world gives. And Jesus is saying his peace is different than that. The peace that God gives is deep down inside of us that no matter what's going on around us, we're at peace. Not because of our circumstances, but because of who we belong to. So we have a peace that comes from our relationship with Jesus. And we can't earn that peace, and we can't lose that peace. All we, we have it because we have Christ in our lives. And so that's the gift, His peace. Philippians 4 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Our normal, natural thinking cannot compute or process God's peace because it defies Explanation, it literally doesn't make sense, but it's ours to have and it's ours to hold no matter how stormy life comes against us. To illustrate this promise, God led me to two separate families. Both of these families are on a similar path, although not to my knowledge, I don't think they've even met, but both families are battling a cancer diagnosis. Bob's story begins in church, worshiping with his wife, Diana, when suddenly in the middle of service, Bob loses consciousness. And at first, this is kind of the first hint that something was medically wrong with, with Bob at this point. And so they rush him to the ER, he goes through a series of tests, but nothing was conclusive. A few months later, again, he's being rushed to the ER, this time with internal bleeding. And they run a test and the results come in and it's the dreaded diagnosis that no one wants to hear, colon cancer. And the doctor said that the tumor was so big that they should just go ahead and prepare for the worst. They want to take a vacation, take that vacation, don't wait. So the couple leaves the doctor's office and just stoically walks back to their car, numb and in a daze. And as soon as the door closes and they're alone, they just, she begins to weep. And she's crying and he's talking about his own side of things, he's thinking about their adult children. And even though they're young adults, he thinks they probably still need more guidance. And so he apologizes to his wife that that he won't be there to help finish raising these kids. The couple in these moments has no natural assurance. Their world is literally turned upside down. And I knew Bob and Diana well during this season of their life. And I heard Bob say many times, my God is bigger than my four-inch tumor. And he said it boldly every time. And he said it bravely every time. But I could also see the fear in his eyes. And I could see the worry on her face. But instead of complaining, this family prayed, and they tucked into God, and they worshiped, and they trusted God with everything that they had going on. And they thanked God for the little victories that kind of came along the way, and they were filled with a peace as a result of that. A peace that passes understanding, and a peace, like we're talking about, that makes no sense at all. The next few months were a total roller coaster. Surgery was scheduled and conducted, and it was incredibly invasive, Invasive, but not successful at all, and the recovery was intensive. Chemo and radiation became their only option. And as time went on, Bob became so weak that he couldn't even get out of bed. Blood clots set in, and they were forced into complete isolation from everyone, even family and friends, due to his severely compromised immune system. Although isolated from a human standpoint, they would say that they were never alone. They felt the fullness of God's presence and the completeness of God's peace and his support with them throughout the entire process. Hebrews 13 in the Amplified Version says, for he has said, I will never under any circumstances desert you, nor will I give up on you, nor will I leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake you or let you down or relax my hold on you assuredly not on February 23rd 2022 Bob went in for a follow-up MRI to check on the status of the tumor and on February 28th of that same year Bob was declared cancer-free God can and does heal cancer God can and does perform miracles in our day and age, but being cancer free, is that the only way we know that God has kept his promise? Because I know many strong, beautiful believers that have died of cancer. Did God forsake them? Did God fail to keep his promise to give them peace? A woman, a woman I know named Peggy, came into our church offices last month to meet with us in person. She's been a faithful part of our online church family since 2020, and due to her cancer diagnosis, she's been unable to really join us much here in the worship center. And she was a member of Fellowship Church years and years ago, but drifted away because life, right? and she wanted to meet with us again in person because she is pretty confident that we'll be performing her funeral service before the end of the year and she wanted us to know her. Peggy is dying, yet she might be the most alive person I've ever had the privilege of meeting. Peggy has pancreatic cancer and it's ravaging her physical body and she told me this, she said, I am glad I got cancer in my body because the cancer in my body exposed that I already had cancer in my soul. She'd been a believer for years, but life happened, and she drifted away, and she said she lost her first love. She became lukewarm, a casual, almost flippant Christian. She said she was never a bad person. She wasn't out there living it up and partying, but at the same point, she wasn't a true believer either. She says her cancer diagnosis led her back to a true and intimate relationship with Jesus. And the course of her illness, as it developed, she said it changed her, and she got closer to God. She prayed, and she believed, and she poured over her Bible and fell deeply in love with the Lord, and she was filled with incredible peace. And the sicker Peggy became, the more peace she felt in her life. And the sicker Peggy became, the more purpose she sensed in her life. And she had an awakening, she said, as she wanted to live every day that she has left on this planet with a sense of purpose to glorify God, to strengthen and pray for those around her, to encourage others in their faith. And I know she's doing that because when I spoke to her on the phone last week, when I hung up that phone, I felt clearer about who God was. I felt more confident about God's faithfulness and His love just listening to Peggy talk. And the only time I heard Peggy express any kind of sadness was when she spoke of her adult daughter, who had supported her beautifully through this entire journey. And the thought of leaving her, you could hear it in her voice. She told me, if God heals my physical cancer, I'll rejoice. But if he heals me by taking me home, I'll rejoice too. To live is Christ and to die is gain. That's what the apostle Paul says in the Bible. And she wanted me to tell you as a church family, she wanted to tell you that she does not feel cheated because she's sick, because her cancer got healed in her relationship with Christ. And she wants you all to know that even if she does or whenever she does go home to be with the Lord, that she wants you to know that she was never alone, that she was never without his peace, that she was never forsaken, not even for a second. And she wants us to know that she is healed of the cancer that ate at her soul, even though the physical cancer still eats at her body. Is God keeping his promise to Peggy any less than he kept his promise to Bob? The Bible says that Jesus leaves us peace, peace that passes understanding. The Bible promises us peace beyond our ability to comprehend. And the Bible says that whatever we, for, we, say, we face in this life, that we will never be rejected or forsaken by our God, not ever. And so I asked this morning, Peggy, Bob, and Diana, if God kept his promise to you, Will you please stand to testify to the promise that he left you peace and his own presence through every difficulty? God said, I will lead you. God said, I will give you peace. God said, I will restore you. Sometimes we get ourselves into the situations. Sometimes we find our own behavior, our own choices, our own decisions is how we got to where we're at. Do God's promises extend to us even there? Even in our own mistakes? The Bible says yes. Isaiah 61 says, instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in the land and everlasting joy will be yours. Our human shortcomings do not void the promises of God. Even when we've failed in some way, even with our sin, the Bible is clear. In Second Timothy chapter 2, it says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Of course, if we are faithless, there are usually natural consequences, but human error and even sin does not mean that God will abandon us or refuse to help us in that process. The psalmist says in Psalm 71 You have let me sink down to desperate problems, but you will restore me to life again. Up from the depths of the earth, you will give me greater honor than before and turn again and comfort me. Be prepared. When you and I make mistakes, there is a process to be reconciled. The first steps is we have to be reconciled to God. That means we have to repent, we have to own it, we have to admit I was wrong, I sinned in this way. We have to tell that to God. We have to apologize for it, and then the Bible says we have to turn. The word repent literally means to do a 180, to turn completely from that sin, and that's our responsibility. Once we do that, the Bible says that the penalty for our sin is completely paid. The penalty for our sin is gone, but there still may be an earthly process that has to take place. Because if our sin involved or hurt someone else along the way, we have to reconcile not just with God, but also with that person. And that reconciliation process will look different in every way for every different situation. So the more we've wronged that person, and then the more expensive the reconciliation is. The more we've wronged that person, then the slower that reconciliation process is. Now God, can't, God promises spiritual reconciliation between us and him. That's a guarantee, that's a promise. But human restoration is not guaranteed, but it is worth fighting for. 1 Timothy, or sorry, First Peter chapter 5 says, but after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. After last Sunday, I received a phone call from a woman, and she and her husband had heard part one of this sermon series last week, and they felt that they had a story to share that would encourage the church family to hold on to God's promises. And I listened to this woman's story for Over a half hour, and at various points in the story, both of us just like ugly crying, like tears streaming down our faces listening to this story unfold. And when she came to the end, it was so personal and so private, I took a deep breath and I said, are you sure? Are you sure you want me to share this story publicly? Because once I share this story publicly, thousands of people will know. And she said, yes. Yes. My husband and I have discussed it at length, and we agree that this story needs to be shared to encourage other families, other couples to hold on. Side note, (laughs) if you ever share your story with one of the pastors here at Fellowship Church, we will take that story to the grave, unless you tell us that you want us to do something different with that. So this woman, she shared with me that her and her husband were going through an extremely difficult season in their marriage. And things were tense and strained and very hard. And she met another man at work and a relationship grew and lines were crossed and the woman confessed to me that she was unfaithful to her husband. She quickly realized her mistake, but it was too late in some ways because trust had been broken. And this affair also led to an unplanned pregnancy. Immediately the woman regrets her choices and she goes to her husband and admits to everything including the child on the way and the hurt and the devastation are deep and the betrayal is significant and there are years of strain that that led them to this challenging crossroad the woman shares that during this season she was deeply depressed Self-hatred, guilt, shame, all of it, waves of darkness just piling and washing over her and she battled intensively with mental health issues herself at this point, not even sure if she could continue. The couple decides that they are going to together fight for their marriage. So they begin intensive counseling to try to rebuild. They focus on communication, on being completely honest with each other, about opening their hearts and really letting themselves, letting each other in. And the woman also seeks personal counseling to get help for her own mental health struggles. Both of them tuck into God. They spend hours just listening to worship music, praying, reading their Bible, listening to sermons, and just getting as close to God as they possibly can. Meanwhile, the baby continues to grow within the womb of this woman. They agree that they should move back to Colorado to rebuild, but for a season, the couple is in two different states because of his job. And they continue to fight for their life together using FaceTime, talking for hours on the phone every night to just hear each other's hearts. And they rebuild slowly over months. But to the couple, it feels like they've lost everything. They hold on to the promise that says that God will restore. And they remember the story of Job in the Bible. A man and his wife had lost everything, but in the end, God restores them back and gives them twice what they had lost. And this couple feels like they had nothing left to lose but to trust God and that he'd restore to them what they'd lost and more. In her heart, the woman knew the baby was coming. And it's one thing to say, as a couple, we're gonna trust each other and we're gonna rebuild and we're gonna fight for this and we're gonna give each other our hearts. But it's another thing to look at your spouse and ask that man to hold a baby that's not biologically his. And so as the due date approaches, both members of this couple begin to wrestle with what does that look like? When the baby is born and the husband sees the baby, he scoops the child up in his arms, just as he did their firstborn child. And he looks at the boy and he says, he looks just like your dad and he loves him instantly. And life has gone on, years have gone on. Their marriage has been restored, more children they've been blessed with, and their love for one another continues to grow. If you are this couple who knows that God kept his promise to you to restore all that was lost, will you please stand to testify to God's faithfulness to you? church family, God keeps his promises. Even when things are bleak, even when things are dark, God keeps his promises even when we don't or can't keep our own promises. And over the last few weeks, I've shared stories with people right here in our church family who've said they've seen a promise in the Bible, and they held on to it, and they watched God come through and make and create a miracle in their lives. And sometimes in moments like this, I wish we had all the time in the world where I could say, hey, who among us, who, who has held on to a promise in this room? Who's heard God say through the pages of his word that he was gonna come through for you? And then as their life unfolded, who's not only heard the promise and held on to the promise, but seen a miracle? Who among us has a story? And I wish we had all the time in the world and then I'd pass around the microphone and I hear miracle, 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 miracle story all around the room. course we don't have unlimited time but I would like to ask that question how many of you would honestly say you did hold on to a promise and you have seen a miracle that you could testify God came through on this promise to me if that's you would you stand you saw a miracle you held on to a promise that's the kind of God we serve The God of redemption, a God of restoration, a God of healing, a God who brings it around, a God who can be trusted to come around to his word. Now there are some of you who are sitting, you're not sure that God has has come through and given you the breakthrough in your promise. Or even some of you are standing like, yes, I've held on to this promise in this area, but also my heart, I'm still holding on for another promise that I need God to come through and both, both can be true. But Amanda and Lisa are gonna sing this beautiful song and it's actually a prayer. And as they sing, I want you to sing this song along with them in your heart and pray this over each other and then we're gonna come back together as a church family and pray.
1: I speak the name of Jesus over you in your hurting in your sorrow i will ask my god to move i speak the name cause it's all that i can do in desperation i'll seek heaven and pray this for you i pray for your healing that circumstances would change i pray that the fear inside would flee in jesus name i pray that a breakthrough would happen She
4: say, I have a promise that I'm trying to hold on to, but I haven't yet seen a breakthrough in this one area. Whether you're standing or sitting, would you stand and would you just indicate with your hand so that those of us in this room could just reach our hand towards you and support and pray for you? We serve a God who is faithful serve a God who comes through with everything he's promised. Now, it doesn't always mean he comes in our timing, but he does come. And so as we're stretching our hands towards those around us, we're saying, in Jesus' name, bring this breakthrough. In Jesus' name, God, would you bring healing? Would you bring hope? Would you bring restoration of marriages, relationships, children, adult children? God, would you open up the floodgates of blessing and resources? God, would you pour out? Would you reverse diagnoses? Would you set us free from hurt and and cycles and addiction and unhealthy feedback loops and, and mental health issues? And God, would you restore and redeem and heal in all the ways. God, we don't even know what to ask, but God, would you bring new life? Would you resurrect dreams and joy and hope and peace and strength? And God, even if the picture doesn't look exactly how we thought the picture would or should look, God, would you still not paint a masterpiece in the lives of our church family? We've seen you do it over and over. We've heard stories over and over. And God, if you did it for them, you can do it. For those who are still waiting, and we ask that you would break through, Lord, and create a new miracle, a new story, a new promise that you've held that we can testify to, to our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren because we know you are faithful and you are good. And we trust you now in Jesus' name, amen. Well, church family, know that we love you. Know that we are praying for you with your breakthrough. We continue to pray. Even as the sermon's over, we continue to ask God to bless you and keep you. We're gonna finish this series up next week with Pastor Tim in part three. Hold on, it'll be fine. We'll see you guys then.
5: Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you've not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text the word heaven to 94000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions that you might have. And also, if you're in need of prayer, we'd love to support you. You can submit your prayer requests by texting "prayer support" to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries here, text the word fellowship to 94000 to connect with our staff today. And as always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions and thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.